Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Thank you, Brother Robert. Thank you, praise team. What a great job. It is good to see you this morning. And uh, I'm glad to be here again. I've had the good privilege of being here a handful of times and I'm so grateful to your pastor, Brother Dustin, for inviting me to come this way. This is pretty high. I told Brother Robert before service started, I said, so is it okay if I move around? Sometimes I have a tendency to do that. I was preaching a revival one Sunday or one week at a church, and one of my church members at the time came to that revival, and I don't know, I kind of got excited, and I got moving around a little bit, and he said, Brother Bill, at one point, I thought you were going to go out the back door. (laughs) Well, I didn't mean to do that, but uh, anyway, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad I get to share the Word of God with you. I've been praying about this, and I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 1 John chapter 4. Will you do that? 1 John, if you don't know where that is, go to the end of your Bible and start at Revelations and work to the left. It'd be uh, Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, and right there you'll find it. And uh, I want you to turn to chapter 4. We're going to look at the last verse. Have I turned off or something, or am I still on? Okay. Uh, just sounded kind of weird for a second to me. Um, I, w- I want to look at the last verse. I want to draw your attention to the last verse in chapter 3. And then look at those opening verses in the fourth chapter of First John First, first, second, and third John in 2021 was our January Bible study. Great study. Uh, if you've just been trying to wrestle with where you need to spend time in God's Word, um, I'm telling you, you could read first, second, and third John every day for the rest of the year, and you would come away from it truly enriched. There's just so much awesome stuff in the Word of God in these texts. And, of course, it was written by uh, the Apostle John. And he was elderly. In fact, if you read through it, in fact, I think in one instance where I'm going to read to you in a moment, he refers to the Christians that would read these as little children. It's interesting to me because at the time he was probably the oldest living Christian. I mean, there could have been somebody who had come to Christ, uh, but doubtless he was the oldest in duration probably at that time uh, who was in Christ. And he could have been one of the oldest people alive at the time. And it is said that as he, uh, as he aged and became more feeble, that uh, oftentimes they would carry him into the presence of, of uh, the body of Christ to speak. And he would begin with something like this, little children. And he knew that the church was in its infancy. He knew that the church was under attack. He understood that. 
And most of what he wrote, and especially here in First and Second and Third John, what he wrote was to try to undergird or the strengthen the body of Christ. Because even then, there were those naysayers, and I'll get into that in a few minutes, but there were those that did everything they could to undermine the gospel. There were those that would do anything it took to minimize Jesus Christ. Uh, They would do everything they could to somehow push the body of Christ off balance spiritually to get them outside of the will of God. Listen, because the liar, Satan knows that if he can get us off balance or off center spiritually, then we become ineffective in communicating the gospel and living the gospel out as believers in Jesus Christ. And that was happening even in the end of the first century, and it's still happening today. There are some key words, and you can, if you read through this book, it'd take you 15, 20 minutes to read through 1 John. I challenge you and charge you to do that this afternoon. There are some key words that are played over and over, and one of them is the word know. Uh, John wanted us to know what we believed. In fact, in in chapter 5 and verse 13, one of my favorite verses, these things I've written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that, that is a theme that is played over and over. The word believe, in fact, these things I've written to you who believe. He wanted us to be certain of what we know in Christ Jesus, that we know that we know that he indeed is the incarnate son of God. And then love. In fact, it was John who said over in John 13, down in about 34, 35, he said, Jesus gave us a new commandment that we would love one another. And remember, he said, they will know that you are my disciples by your love. And then a fourth word that is thematic to this book is the word fellowship. And it's real important as you read through it that you recognize that, that what divisiveness does is pull the fellowship apart. And what false doctrine does is pull the, the fellowship apart. And John understood that we need to know what we believe <laughs> And that we believe in Christ Jesus, knowing the love of God, and that we be in fellowship one with another. I have heard it said, and I think it can be said, that deception in America is at an all-time high. There is an attempt to undermine the church. In fact, I have seen this, uh, that Christendom is viewed more negative by the world, it seems, than ever before, although it's always had its naysayers. There are those that are doing everything to undermine you and to knock you off center so that you will not be spiritually sound. In fact, I want you to hold your finger there in 1 John, and I want you to turn over to the book of Isaiah. This is just going to be for a moment. If you half your Bible, you're probably going to come out 
in Psalms. And then if you will go to your right, you'll see Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Isaiah. And go there to the fifth chapter of Isaiah. I just want you to see, because it really is um, indicative of what is taking place in the world today. In Isaiah chapter 5, and if you'll run your finger down there and look at verse 20, look at what it says. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Did you get that? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We live in a world today where evil is being increasingly, it's amazing to me that that's possible, that evil is being increasingly called good, and good is increasingly being called evil. And what are you and I to do? What is our life situation? How are we in Christ to live our lives? And and I'm going to give you some pretty simple steps here today. In fact, I'm going to offer you, if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to do that because they're real simple and you can refer to the gym. But I just want to give you three steps to unwavering faith. Three steps to unwavering faith. And... Let's look at the text. I need to read that, don't I? Let's look at verse 24 of chapter 3. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he, that is God, in him. And by this, we know that God, or he, abides in us by the Spirit whom God has given us. I love that. I have a an old preacher friend that died four or five years ago in his mid-90s, loved that old guy. And he would say to me, Brother Bill, when we refer to the Holy Spirit, we should refer to him as God, the Holy Spirit. You and I need to be reminded of something, that God, the Holy Spirit, is not an it. It is not a thing. He is a he. And God has given you and me the Holy Spirit to give us guidance and leadership. And so we need to be conscious of that, and that is the evidence of our being in Christ. And then he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. You need to underline that. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Hmm. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now already is in the world. You are of God, little children, John said. You are of God, meaning you have God, the Holy Spirit, by virtue of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are of God, little children. 
and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you, holy God, that we have the privilege to come together today and to worship you in song and praise and adoration. And Lord, to sit at the teaching of your word, Lord, to break your word and, and, and Lord, avail ourselves to you so that you would teach us and, and equip us and prepare us all the more to live the Christian life in a world that seems to be increasingly anti-Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that as we look to your word today that you would speak into our hearts. We are absolutely dependent upon you. And we ask for your help. (laughs) We thank you that you hear us. And Lord, we're going to listen. We're going to speak. We're going to do so with confidence, knowing that you are God and that God the Holy Spirit is in this room working where two or more are gathered together. So we entrust it to you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Well, I'm going to give you three simple points. Are you ready for them? The first one is this. What are steps that you and I can take to have unwavering faith? And the first one is real simple. Simply, don't be gullible. That's a word we don't use a whole lot, but it means don't be easily fooled. In fact, I remember years ago, uh, I used to work at, at the Baptist Rescue Mission. Anybody remember that on Magazine Street down in New Orleans? And, uh, and it was a, I never liked this word, but it was, it was a place for indigent people off the street to come in and be able to spend a night. And, and I was doing counseling there when I was in seminary. And, uh, and every once in a while, at lunchtime, I'd walk down to Jackson Square, and, you know, there's tourists everywhere, and, and of course, New Orleanians everywhere, and, and invariably, there would be these young boys that would come up, and they would come up to an unsuspecting tourist, and they would say something like this, I bet you $5 I can tell you where you got those shoes, well, you know, this is a guy from Kansas City, Missouri. He got it at the mall in North Kansas City. He said, there's no way this kid could possibly know where I got those shoes. And he says, okay, tell me. He says, you got them on your feet. <laughs> and invariably, out of the good humor of being gullible, they would hand the kid a $5 bill. You know what? Here is what John was realizing There are some people who believe everything they hear. There are some people that if it's in a book or if it's in a newspaper or some talking head on television or in a movie says it, then it must be true. And there were those that were spiritually gullible and they were believing false doctrine. And so John was making a declaration. I love what he says in verse 24 in chapter 3 as he affirms the fact that you and I have God the Holy Spirit living in our life. And then he says, don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. 
Don't be gullible. Well, as a Christian, how is it that you and I ensure that we're not gullible? Let me just tell you real simply. You, you and I have to be people of the Word of God, okay? Because the defining factor is the Word of God, all Scripture. In fact, I want you to hold your finger there, okay, and I'm, have you turn to the left a little bit. Uh, and go to, you'll see Second and First Peter and then James and then Hebrews, and then you'll see Philemon, and Titus, and then 2 Timothy. And I want you to look there at 2 Timothy in chapter 3, and I want you to look down there at verse 16. Listen, you need to underline this. It'd be a good thing to memorize this verse. Because if you are not steeped in the Word of God, then you are working at a deficit in your Christian life. Look what it says in verse 16. All Scripture, all Scripture. If you look that up in the Greek, that word all translates A-L-L, all. And that means from the beginning to the end. All Scripture, and are you looking at that? It says it is given by inspiration of God. The Word of God is God-breathed. Do you have that confidence in the Word? There are those naysayers who say, oh, it's just an interesting storybook. There's a lot of good stories in there. No, this is the incarnate word of God. This is God's word living sharper than a two-edged sword. Not the incarnate word, but it's the revealed word of God. And look what it says. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It will benefit you. When I think about this, I think about people who like to invest money. You know, what if we were to get a bunch of money type investment people together and put our heads together tomorrow morning and let's see if we can find some kind of investment entity so that we would absolutely be certain to lose money. That's absurd. Listen. The Word of God is a gift to you and me, and it teaches us. Do you see what it says in the latter part of that verse? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. I remember 100 years ago, it wasn't quite that long, but I pastored Montgomery Baptist Church down here in South Lincoln County for about five years, and I had a little music minister was a little old lady, and, and at the time, I'm thinking, she's old as the hills. She was 65. I'm thinking, Darren, that's old. <laughs> and uh, I preached on that verse one day. And when I finished, you know, gave the invitation, and I'm feeling, you know, reasonably okay that I did a good job, and, and I walked down off the platform, and, and she walks up to me, and she says, so you know what that verse means, Brother Bill? And I'm thinking, well, I just preached on it. I hope that I didn't treat it poorly. She says, what it means is all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. The Word of God tells you what is true. For reproof, the the Word of God tells you what is wrong. For correction, the Word of God tells you how to fix it. And for instruction in righteousness, the Word of God 
tells you how to keep it that way. The Word of God. And so you and I need to be people of the Word of God. If you're not in, taking a steady diet of God's Word, you're working at a deficit. You're setting yourself up to lose because the Word of God is what transforms you. The power, the teaching. What does it say about God the Holy Spirit? He, he will convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment over in Matthew or John chapter 16. And so we need the Word of God. And if the only thing that we're taking in is the newspaper or the latest book or what some talking head or some actor says or what some, you know, if, if, that's, if that's our basis of truth, then we're getting false truth. And we become gullible to believe things that aren't true. And so the Bible says, test the spirits. Don't be gullible. Don't believe everything that you hear. And then the second point is, be smart. I love that. Be smart. I mean, that's pretty simplistic, isn't it? Look there, if you will, in the rest of that first verse. He says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. That means that you don't take somebody at their word or some entity at its word just because they said it, but you got, there's a litmus test. In fact, he gives a great example here. I want you to look at this. He says, test the spirits, whether they are of God, because that." Is it of God? Is this something God would say? Is this something God would do? And then he says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know, are you looking at verse 2? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And by the way, those spirits that deny Jesus Christ coming in the flesh is the spirit of the Antichrist. I want you to get this. This is very important for Christendom. The incarnation of Christ, him leaving his throne in heaven and coming in the form of a babe, of a human, is central to the gospel. It is every bit as important as the death, burial, and resurrection. It is central because it was only in that way that he could live a sinless life. That, it was only in that way that he could be the overcomer that he was. And, and so you and I need to understand something. All of these, and, and listen, I know people who, who I've heard people say things like this. You know what? However you get to heaven is fine just as long as you get there. So can I tell you something? That is an absolute lie from hell. 
That is the Antichrist deceiving. Because it is not one size fits all. If you sit down and you go through modern day religions in one form or another, they deny the incarnation of Christ. He was either a good prophet, either uh, he was somebody that you could learn things. I mean, even alter other books will talk about Jesus, but they never talk about him as the incarnate son of God, the only God. So you need to know something that all of these religions out there that are false are really a figment. Are you listening to me? They are a figment of man's imagination. Because when you come right down to it, they deny Jesus as creator, as the incarnate son of God. What chapter one of John In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And everything that was created was created by Him. He is God. Scripture tells us there is no other God. And so you and I must be a people who test the spirits. If you hear something and it doesn't sound right, then you go to the Word of God. How does this measure up to the Word of God? That's why we need the Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And we measure the truth. What does the Bible say? Uh, Not to add to or take away from Scripture. And there's that one false belief system that has added a completely new book. If you don't pay attention, you become deceived. And then it trickles down into things like one's identity or being socially acceptable. And if you're a child of God and a child of the word, you'll not be deceived. One of my stumps that I get on is the phrase, oh, I don't even like to say the letters, M. You know the other one. You know, the third commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. And that really doesn't mean necessarily using God's name as a swear or as whatever you call that thing. But what it means in the original language is this, is don't hold God up to emptiness. And we, when we denigrate God and denigrate his name, and here's the thing that breaks my heart. I don't know how many Christians I have heard use that phrase. And I'm thinking, how can they know Jesus? If they know Jesus, how can they know the word of God? 
If they understand that he is holy and he is, he is worshipful and he, he, is, he is worthy of everything, every honor and praise and glory and adoration, every, everything we have, and every good thing comes from above. Everything that we have is because it's a gift of him. How can we not worship him? And how can we speak his name as a slur? John said, don't be gullible. If everybody's doing it, it must be okay. Test the spirits. And then simply, the third thing is be strong. I love that. I mean, look at verse four. And again, he's, <laughs> he's acknowledging the reality that if, if you are in Christ, Christ is in you. And the evidence of Christ being in you is God the Holy Spirit. And so he makes that reference again in verse 4. Look what he says. He says, you are of God. Listen, God didn't save you and then alienate you or abandon you. The word of God says that he will never leave you or forsake you. You have all of the same access to holy God through the teaching and the wisdom of his word than Billy Graham had. In fact, I'll never forget years ago, I was working in New Orleans and, and there was a lady that worked alongside me and, and we talked a lot about um, what it meant to be in Christ, and we talked about faith, and every once in a while she would come up to me, and it just oh, it, it always got all over me when she would say this. She would say, she would say, Bill, I need you to pray for something because I know God listens to you more than He listens to me, and I and I would say, What do you mean? If you're in Christ, you're in Christ. And if you're in Christ, then God the Holy Spirit lives in your life. And you need to be reminded of something that John chapter 4, 1 John 4 and 4 tells us, you are of God. You are of God because of God the Holy Spirit in you. Now, if you don't have God the Holy Spirit in you, then you're lost in your sin. And you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. You have overcome the Antichrist. Listen, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan is lost. It's a foregone conclusion. He's not on equal with Jesus. Jesus is God. Satan is a creation who fell from grace. There's no competition there. And so listen, because we're in Christ, because God the Holy Spirit lives in us, then we are victorious. We're not victims, we're victors. So he makes that declaration. Greater is he, God the Holy Spirit, that is in you than he that is in the world. 
and listen. Scripture talks about being blown about by the winds. It talks about being like a ship without a rudder. You know what? If you're blown about by the winds of civilization, if your life appears to be rudderless and you keep bumping into stuff and one tragedy or heartache after another, another, you know what? It's not because God hadn't made a way for you. And maybe the first thing you need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. You need to, you need to confess your sin and, and trust in him because he indeed is the incarnate son of God. He indeed, indeed did live a, a sinless life. He indeed, indeed did go to the cross and pay your sin debt. And yes, he was buried, but on the third day, he conquered sin and death and lives at the right hand of the Father. And oh, by the way, he is coming again. And the very thing that you need today is Jesus as Savior. Have you trusted him as Savior and Lord? And if you have, And it feels like you're on again, off again. There are times that you sense God's presence. And there's times that that you're out of God's will. and, And it seems like you're running headlong away from him. Let me ask you something. Are you a person of the word? Because it is the word of God that equips us. You You don't know what the right thing to do is? Then read the word of God. I love Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. I think I preached that the last time I was here. It says this, through wisdom, the house is built. (laughs) Wisdom is foundational. James 1, 4 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you without reproach. And then the next part of that verse says, with wisdom, the house is built by understanding it is established. The house is established. The, it is put in order. And then verse 4 says, by knowledge, the rooms are filled. The rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Wisdom is knowing the right thing to do. You get that from the Word of God. All, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine and reproof and for correction and instruction, wisdom comes from the word of God. Understanding is doing the right thing. Once you know the right thing that God reveals to you through his word, through counsel, he does that. Then understanding is doing it. Have you ever known the right thing to do and you didn't do it? That was the absence of understanding. And knowledge is doing wisdom and understanding over and over and over and over again. So Christian, are you in the word? Or maybe this Christian, are you gullible? I mean, I've heard Christians say, however you get to heaven is fine. Is that, are you one of those people? You you know what, you need to be on your face confessing your sin to holy God. 
Because Scripture says there's no other name given among men by which you must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me. So where are you? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. We trust God, the Holy Spirit. That you work. I pray simply that we will obey. In Jesus' name, amen.